You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Thank you, Alyssa. Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, 2 Corinthians in chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. We always say God's the word of God is a love letter. What's it say? <laughs> I love you. That's exactly what Calvary was about. Thank you for singing that. Second Corinthians chapter number 5. I think I said chapter 2. Chapter 5. And I want to preach a message tonight. I, I hope will cause you to do some thinking um, and this next week here. I will, uh, I'm actually taking the next few days off. I'm kind of happy about that. So um, I'm taking this week. I say, where are you going? my house, but uh, staycation, but uh, my wife and I will take a, we'll take a trip on, Friday, on Wednesday, be out of town, Brother Michael DeHaro is preaching Wednesday night, so you'll get to hear him, our new, newest uh, staff member, so make sure you give him a hard time, act like you're sleeping, make sure your phone goes off six or seven times in the service, you know, that's it, yep, call him, that's right, see if his is on vibrate or not, but uh and the sound guys are going to make sure that everything you print, if you print something, it's going to just be terrible. And uh, so we just want them to get the full effect, you know, of, of what it's like to, <laughs> just messing with you, but, but to be here and, uh, and he'll, he'll do a great job. He does a great job every time he speaks. I listen to him with the teenagers and, and uh, so you'll be blessed there. But uh, taking uh, some time off, me and my wife, for about uh, four days, five days. Be back on Saturday for soul winning. And so if you need me, don't need me. Just don't. No, but uh, you can always get a hold of me if you need to. But we got Brother, Brother Weldon, Brother Josh Weldon, Brother DeHaro. Nancy pretty much does everything anyway, so you can call her. And, uh, but no, but we're looking forward to getting away for a few days and, and uh, resting before friend day and all that busyness. So I'm excited about that. Second Corinthians chapter number 5. I want you to look down at verse number 7 through 14. And... Uh, I want to show you some things tonight that, again, I hope make us think in just a little bit. Verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And uh, that's, that's what we want, right? We want to, we want to be with Christ, of course, but, uh, but there's also that, that, double, that double feeling. We want to be here, we want to be with family, but we also want to be with Christ. And wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be, uh, be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in this body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause." For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. I want to stop there, and uh, I want to just say before we get into this that Paul was a motivated man. Paul was a passionate man. Another word that you could say for motivation is, or being motivated is the word driven. And I believe in being driven in some uh, shape or form of it. The word driven means having a compulsive or urgent quality. 
propelled or motivated by something. There's a difference between being propelled by something and being dragged by something, right? There's pushing and there's pulling. And uh, what I want you to see tonight is, is that I, I believe we should be driven or motivated by the right things. Now, another entire message that I would like to preach at some point is, uh, is what we see here in this passage. I believe there are five motivations in this passage uh, of a Christian. Five, and this is not the message. This is a precursor to another message at some point. But uh, I believe in the past we're looking at, we see five motivations for Christians, okay? The first mot motivation, I'll just tell you, verse 8 talks about heaven. Being absent from the body, being present with the Lord. That's a motivation for us, how we ought to live and, and what we ought to be doing is to, to have eternal views in mind. I think that's a great motivation for our lives. I also see in verse 9 there that whether we labor, that, uh, whether we labor that wherefore we labor, I can read, I can read, trust me. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. I think pleasing God is a motivation. Why not be motivated by what we do on earth to, to please the Lord, to bring a smile to our Savior's faith, face? I believe in verse 10, the judgment seat of Christ is a great motivation for Christians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That ought to motivate us. That ought to motivate us to be a soul winner. That ought to motivate us to, uh, to do spiritual things on a daily basis, knowing that we are going to give an account to God and receive blessings and rewards for what we do here. That is a great motivation. Verse 11 Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I think hell should be a motivation for us. Hell ought to be a great motivation for us to think about what that's like and what that would be for unsaved family or friends or coworkers. That ought to motivate us. Uh, so we've got heaven, pleasing God, the judgment seat, hell. But I also think verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. I think God's love, the, the love of Christ should constrain us, should be a great motivation. So there are some, some wonderful things there, and we could talk about them further at some point, but, but that ought to motivate us as Christians. But I want to encourage you, and, and, and let me ask you some questions tonight. What motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you to do spiritual things? What are your spiritual motivations? And so we come up with a long list of things that motivate us, but one thing that should not be our motivation is shame. And I feel like a lot of times in church, we, we, we can be guilty in church of trying to shame people into service, guilt people into service. Now, preaching on it, preaching the truth is not the same thing as trying to guilt someone into service. But oftentimes, we put a lot of shame on ourselves. And by the way, leaders of ministries, since we're starting all these new ministries, let's never lead by shame. How dare you not be here? Well, if you don't do this, you're the worst. No, we should never lead that way. But we see here there's a lot of people that lead or that serve, not out of love, but out of guilt or shame. And I don't think that's the way to serve. I, I've, I've talked to pastors before who were working so hard to build a church and ministry because they were afraid that their, the pastor that, that, uh, uh, that they went to that college, you know, they graduated from Bible college, they were so afraid that pastor might show up. And so they wanted to build a church just in case that pastor showed up. Well, you know, I think they would even admit that that's not the greatest motivation. And what I want to talk to you tonight about is, is there's a difference between motivation and pressure. I want to just preach to you on that, motivation or pressure. Let's pray together. Father, help, I pray, that this message would be clear and helpful to us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you go to Matthew chapter 11, please? Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew 11. I want to just explain a little bit about what this is, what, what the differences are, 
and then tonight just give you maybe a couple things to think about. Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 28, we know this passage is very familiar to us, but there's a motivation here to serve God, and there's a thought here. The Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So, hey, you were carrying something else. Jesus says, take my yoke. Carry what I want you to carry, not necessarily what you think you have to carry. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, when we're, when we're thinking about this issue of motivation or pressure... Let's be careful we don't confuse them. I think motivation is a good thing. I think pressure can be a bad thing. Pressure is the burden, uh, the definition, the burden of physical or mental distress. That's pressure. The burden of mental or physical distress. Hey, that's a burden that oftentimes we put on ourselves. But Jesus said, hey, take my yoke. Take what, I, take what I want you to carry. And we know that Philippians tells us we ought to live in peace and, and not worry and be anxious for nothing. So all of these thoughts are leading somewhere. Now, I know that motivation sometimes we can put, uh, if we're motivated to do something, well, there's a little pressure with that at times, but the, the, the backing is right when it comes to motivation. Pressure is a force or standard that we put upon ourselves. Or we let somebody else put upon us where we'll never, we're never satisfied. When you put pressure on yourself to live a certain way or do a certain thing, you'll never be satisfied. But, and, and we do this sometimes, and we're not trying to satisfy us, we're trying to please God. So let me explain this by giving you a couple definitions, because I feel like I'm not being super clear. First of all, let me say this. Pressure. Here's a good definition. Pressure is external force that causes an internal reaction. Pressure is an external force that causes an internal reaction. So if you put pressure on yourself to do things, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're going to take an external force, or maybe your boss puts pressure on you. Maybe you know, society, our world is constantly putting pressure on us. And to do something, to live a certain way, to act a certain way, it can produce an internal reaction. And if we're not careful, we can load these pressures on our back until we break under the burden of them. Because we're pressuring ourselves to do these things. Galatians 6.2 says, bear ye one another's burden. So we're supposed to be helping one another with the pressures of life. In Luke 11.46, and he said, woe unto you also ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens, grievous to be born. And ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. So everybody carries things in life, but oftentimes what we're carrying is something we put on our own back. It's an expectation, it's a pressure that or we let society put upon us. And what does it do? It causes internal reaction. It causes turmoil. It can cause anger. You ever get pressure and pressure and pressure at work and what does it come out in your life? It's like a volcano erupting, anger comes out. Why is that? Because we've let pressure build up so much on us and be such a heavy weight upon us that it comes out somewhere. There's a lack of peace, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's other issues if we don't handle pressure correctly. So pressure can be a negative thing. It's an external force that causes an internal reaction. What's motivation? Motivation is the exact opposite. Motivation is an internal force that causes an external reaction. 
Do you see the difference there? So, so I don't think the Lord is trying to put just pressure on you. Pressure, pressure, pressure. I think that there is motivation in Scripture to do right. There's motivation to do the right thing. When I allow myself to be motivated by the truth of the word of God inwardly, it will lead to joyful obedience outwardly. Can I say that again? I know I'm being a little bit deeper today, but but stay with me. When I allow myself to be motivated by the word of God inwardly, when I'm walking with God, when I'm in the garden with God, and the word of God is soaking into me, you know what my service becomes? Joyful, obedient, fun, loving, kind, gracious, generous. That comes out because you've got the right thing on the inside, the love of Christ. But then we show up one day and got to get there by nine. And I forgot, I got to get the donuts. It's my day to get the donuts for home builders class, you know. It's, it's, it's my day to do this. It's my day to bring the, the, uh, the juice to the crossroads. It's my day to do this or whatever. And we show up and we're like, okay, I got to teach, got to do this. And we can have so much less joy when we are constantly just feeling like, I have to do this, and there's pressure on me. And, and what, is, what do people often quit when there's pressure? They often quit the right things. No one's quitting their job because they have pressure. I got pressure. I'm going to stay in church and quit my job. Most of the time, people quit church. And so this issue is a big issue. Too many Christians are trying to serve God without really having a relationship with God. That's dangerous. That's not good. And we can find ourselves serving under the burden that we created instead of carrying the yoke that Christ has for us. We've got to do this, got to act this way, got to get this done. Remember Moses in the Old Testament? I'm sure you remember who Moses is. But the story of Moses, he was counseling every person that came on every matter. Someone stole this. My brush is missing. Moses, you know, whatever. And that wasn't good for him. He was being overloaded by that. And he had put, he was buckling under that pressure. Jethro gave him some advice, his father-in-law, and he, he relieved some of that pressure. But he had put all that pressure on himself. God never said, you have to individually meet with every person and hear, hear about how their dog got hurt or whatever. You know, all that kind of stuff. Remember years ago, during, on Easter, uh, uh, this probably 10 years ago, it was Easter Sunday, big, big service, you know, I was, we, I was youth pastor, my, and, and we, we had worked hard to get teenagers there, we were going to preach the gospel, I mean, I don't even, I, we, had, we probably only had one kid at the time, and uh, we were, we, you know, we were pumped up and ready to go, I remember waking up on Easter morning and just being nervous about it, I was like, man, it's going to be a great Sunday, I got I to preach, I got to do all this stuff and, and get everything ready, and, and a little bit of nerves, you know, on a big day like that, you get nervous, Friend day I get nervous, I don't know about you, but I, I get kind of, uh, a little bit nervous on big days like that, and uh, I remember coming uh, into the living room and uh, and getting we, we left and got in the car. We were on our way to at work, and I started just losing vision on the right side of my of my field of vision, and I was like, "Oh no!" And what that means is migraine. You're, you're going to have one in about 40 minutes as soon as you start seeing aura. But I lose most of my vision when I get one. It's just shimmery lights is all I see, and I was like, "I'm in the car. I'm like, I need to get to church quick because I can't drive this way." But uh, I remember, like, not on Easter, come on, come on, not on Easter Sunday, 
So I go, and, 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 and if you have had them before, you know that there's not much you can really do during that time. And uh, I, remember I went to my office, and I laid down on my couch. I was already at work, and I put a bucket next to me because I knew I was going to be throwing up anytime soon. I was just, you know, the, the pain started and everything. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? We didn't have youth workers at the time. And so my wife said, well, I'll give the gospel during the, 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 the second hour of service. I stood up in Sunday school, and I taught. I don't remember what I said at all. I don't remember if I even used the Bible, you know, but I taught that Sunday school, and then I went to my office, and my wife said, okay, I'll, I'll treat it like a soul-winning thing. I'll just give the gospel to everybody there. Fifteen people got saved. She just stood up and just said, okay, you know, just like if it were knocking on a door, talking to a teenager, here it is. We had a huge crowd of teenagers. Fifteen teenagers raised their hand for salvation. And so I'm waking up, you know, and I'm getting up and staggering. And what happened? Fifteen teenagers got saved. That's great. Wonderful. <laughs> Got to tell you, I wasn't, I wasn't jealous, but I felt a little bit like, well, what am I doing here? You know, like, it just was a nice little reminder from the Lord, you thought you were needed. You're not needed. You're wanted. You're wanted. But God can choose to use Anybody he wants. And God can do anything he wants. But I had put so much pressure on myself. I got to do this. It's got to be perfect. And then God just reminded me that, oh yeah, he can do it. <laughs> it's not on me. How do we put pressure on ourselves? Because we do this. We put pressure on ourselves. Because you can tell this because when people don't have things to worry about, they find something to worry about. We do. We do this. We find something to worry about because we like to live in that state. Do you know people like this that like to live in a state of just chaos? They want their schedule hectic. They want things to be crazy because they don't know how to operate and they feel needed when they do. Well, if my schedule is busy and my schedule is crazy and I'm running here and running there and running here everywhere, it makes me feel fulfilled like I'm doing something. You are putting so much pressure on yourself that you're not going to be able to sustain that. But here's the thing that I really want to focus in tonight. We do this spiritually. You know that we put pressure on ourselves in spiritual ways that we never were intended to? Now, let me, let me just be careful here tonight. When I give you some things in a moment, I'm not saying that these are bad things. But I want you to examine, are you putting unnecessary pressure on, in your own life on these things or are you really doing it out of a motivation of love for God? Now, sometimes I know we're just doing it because we have to. Sometimes, hey, let's all be honest. It's not every morning of every day of every moment of our lives that we wake up and think, I can't wait to get into the Bible. Sometimes it's, okay, I'm going to get into it, and I know I'll enjoy it when I get into it, but I'm not ready right now. Sometimes it's like that with prayer and other things as well. But let me just encourage you. How, how do we put pressure on ourselves spiritually? Number one, let's think about this. How about Bible reading? How about Bible reading? Here is often what happens. Now, is Bible reading a good thing? Yes, it's a good thing. Read your Bible. I'm telling you, read your Bible. It's a good thing, all right? But here's often what happens. We want to read our Bible, but we feel like sometimes that there is some standard that we have to live up to. We feel that. Like we have to read three chapters a day. Who made that standard? Okay, we have our read through the Bible in a year program. You know, we have those little things, and sometimes we can pick it up and look through it and say, well, I have to read 3.4 chapters a day to read the Bible through. 
I remember uh, growing up and, and watching uh, at the front, and, and I, I never wanted to do this when I was pastor, so we don't do it. But I remember sitting in the audience and watching as people would walk forward and get a certificate for reading the Bible through in a year. And what that said to me, and I probably didn't say this to anybody else, what that said to me is, these are the good Christians. Think about that for a minute. That mentality is so wrong. And I'm not saying it's wrong to give out a certificate for somebody who reads the Bible through in a year, but it's also not wrong not to read your Bible through in a year. You're with me on this? Why do, we, why do we think that? If I'm a good Christian, I'll read it through in a year. I know pastors that read it through once every three years. And they're some of the best preachers I know. Why? Because they're soaking it in with every single word and every sentence and every paragraph. And they have stopped putting Christian pressure on themselves to look good to other pastors and to look good to other Christians because they read the whole Bible three times in a year. Now, some years you may want to do that. Some years you may want to focus in on that. But, but why are we doing what we're doing? That's what motivation really gets to. Is it pressure? I'm reading my Bible because I don't want someone to ask me, what did you get from your Bible today? I, I was this way. I, I, I had uh, someone uh, years and years and years ago that would ask me frequently. Well, you know, I, I forget how they'd say it. But, but something to the effect of, what did you get from your Bible today? I'd just be walking down the hallway. What did you get from your Bible today? And you know what? If you didn't have like an answer, like right on the tip of your tongue, well, the Bible says this, and God gave me this, let's pray. You know, if you didn't have something like that, then you felt like a loser. Because it was like, well, I know I read, oh, you did, huh? Well, you ain't got nothing to say about the Bible? Well, give me a second, you know. You're asking me, uh, uh, what did I read today? You ever get that way? What did I read today? You know, and I know we got to work on we got to work on on meditating throughout the day. But someone puts you on the spot, and so you know what I did, and this is wrong. This was a motivation for me, uh, you know, 16 years ago that I I would say, okay, okay, I'm going to read something, and in case someone asks, I will just you know say this. And really, my motivation was all messed up. I don't have to tell you what I got for my Bible today, unless I want to. The question is, did I get something from my Bible today? The question is, did I spend my time with God today? And you know what? Sometimes, let me just help you with this too, okay? Since we're, you're like, Pastor, going off the rails. No, I'm not. Did you know that your relationship with God can survive a day without you reading the Bible? I'm not saying miss your Bible reading. I think you ought to read your Bible every single day. I try to read my Bible every single day for the past however many years it's been. I think I have. I really try to. But you know what I've realized is that if I do miss my day, God isn't like, that's it. You know, he's still my loving Heavenly Father. He knows I was in the hospital at, uh, having my appendix out. He, he knew that, that someone called me and I had to go here and... And, and my relationship with God is strong enough to survive a day of not reading my Bible. But yet something inside of us tells us, I missed one day. Psh, might as well just quit. And I'm trying to help you as we've got younger Christians in here. And we've got you old timers that have been saved a hundred years in here. And we've got everybody in between that some of that pressure is not biblical. Now, hear me clearly. Read your Bible every day. But read it not so that you can say you read it. Read it because you're trying to build your relationship with God. Not because somebody may say who's got a testimony what they got from their Bible today. 
If you've got one, share it. If you don't, don't share it because you're just trying to impress people. Motivation is a key factor here. We got to read our Bible through in a year. We got it doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. We got to read at least three chapters a day. Why would it be the same for every person? How many of you are slow readers? All of us. All right, good. How many of you are fast readers? You can read fast and all that kind of stuff. You read through 16 chapters a time. Okay. When it comes to like a book, I'm a fast reader. When it comes to the Bible, I'm a slow reader. And I, I, I read slowly because I'm trying to comprehend these words and get what I'm getting out of it. But you know how it is sometimes you get in the morning, if you have a pressure upon yourself, it's okay, I got to get my three chapters in because if I'm going to fall behind on my Bible reading program, so we just shoot through it so quickly. And what I'm, what I'm trying to say is those are pressures that you are putting on you. And you're going to break and crack under that pressure. Because God's not doing that. It's a relationship that you're supposed to have with him. When I was, uh, I was in college, uh, and again, the, the why is so important. The why is so important. Uh, I remember in college, my college president standing up and saying that, that uh, there was a famous preacher from uh, North Carolina, I think, named Bobby Robertson. Some of you know the name Bobby Robertson. He was an, uh, just a preacher at, in North Carolina. And he stood up at a pastor's conference and preaching to all these pastors. And he mentioned in the message that he reads 10 chapters of his Bible every day. And the president of the, of the college, the pastor of the church where we went, stood up and, you know, and later and he said, he told the story. He said, I was thinking when Brother Robertson said that, I was thinking, don't tell them that. Why would you tell them you're reading 10 chapters a day? As if it wasn't a lot. Like, don't, don't read that many. Don't, don't tell them that. And then he went back to his office and he started thinking, am I reading 10 chapters a day? Oh, wait a minute. Am I reading that much? And it was just an amazing thing. I knew a pastor who read 50 chapters per day. 50 chapters per day. That means he reads his Bible through once every month. Now, I'm a slow reader. It takes me half a day to read. It would take me half a day to read that much. 50 chapters? Take me forever. But, uh, the, but I am not supposed to compare myself to that. So what should our motivation be with our Bible reading? Our motivation should be to study, to meditate, and to allow God to feed you. Say, well, when do I stop reading my Bible? When God has fed you. That's when you stop. You, you read and you read and let God speak to your heart. And, and I want to read that way. I want to read till God speaks my heart. And I want to allow him to fully develop that thought in me while I read his word. You know, some messages that I, that I get uh, are, are just from a random verse. The message I preached this morning. The message I preached this morning on Asahel, for example. You know how God gave me that message? It was a random thought I had while reading 1 Chronicles 27.7 that just mentioned Asahel that had a son named, I forget the son's name, Zebediah or something. And that just got me thinking about, well, what's the story of Asahel? Well, a guy had a son and just this long train of thought where God gave me something through just a random verse in First Chronicles somewhere. What is talking about these random things? And God can do that, but it takes, it takes time to think. So what I'm saying is evaluate your Bible reading. Why are you reading what you're reading. Here's a better question. Is it working for you? Do you feel fulfilled reading your Bible or do you shoot through five chapters as fast as you can and you couldn't tell me one thing you read? 
Maybe our motivation should be, no, I need to go back and remember that this is a, a relationship with God. Do you, do you treat your spouse that way? All right, here it is. I got two minutes. Give me all the information of what happened today. Go. Faster, faster. Okay, we're good. All right, see you later. No. How would that be good for your marriage, right? So it's a relationship. We put pressure on ourselves in Bible reading. We put pressure on ourselves in prayer life. Are you pressured in your prayer life or motivated in your prayer life? Pressured or motivated? I think we ought to be motivated by the love of God, by his love letter that he's given to us. The the motivation should come from a love for him uh, to read his word and know his word, but prayer too. Years ago, when I was youth pastor, when I first got here, I used to think that I had to pray. I had to pray through every single person in the youth group every single day, aside from what I normally pray. So when I became youth pastor, it was like, okay, so I've got my normal prayer time, but now I've got to pray for every teenager and their family every day. When I got here, we had 91 teenagers in the youth department the first week. 91. And so I had, and there were some missing. So basically imagine this. Imagine tomorrow your prayer list jumping by 100 names. And you feel like you got to pray for them every single day. Can I just break it to you? I don't pray for every single church member every day. Don't stone me. All right? But if you see the list, and you see our prayer list on Wednesday, and you see our missionary list, And you see this, I think people would rather me really, really pray for them than flippantly mention their name as I run through a list. That's what I think. Now, I hope tonight you're like, what's our pastor talking about? He's crazy. He's going to take this week off. He needs it. He's mental. Okay? I hope you're not thinking that. I do need this week off for crying out loud. Come on. You try pastoring you. All right? I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm kidding. But uh, what I'm saying is I was putting pressure on me to where I was collapsing, I'd be like, I'm not even going to pray for anybody today in the prayer list on those hundred names. Well, that's wrong too. And, but it was the pressure that I was putting on myself. And if you do that, you can put enough pressure on yourself that you're going to crack underneath it. I remember coming, getting into high school when I was 16 or 17, and I thought I was so far behind. And so I looked at our pastor's son, who was my age, and I thought, you know what, I need to do exactly what he's doing. So I'm going to find out how much Bible he's reading. I'm going to find out how much he's praying. I'm going to start doing that. I'd never read my Bible faithfully, never prayed faithfully, and now I'm trying to do it and trying to do as much as a kid who grew up in church his entire life. That was not smart. That wasn't smart. And so what happened was I'm trying to match what everybody else is doing because they've been in church and now I'm a senior and I'm trying to play catch up. And instead of just doing what I was motivated, what God was speaking to me to do, I felt like I had to do what so-and-so did. And because of that, I missed so much of my prayer and Bible time because I was just trying to be like someone else and I'd get so pressured under that burden that I would just say I'm not doing anything. Now, did God put that pressure on me? No, no, I did that. I was comparing. I was the one doing that. So that was on me. When you, put, when you put a lot of pressure on your time with God, how can you enjoy your time with God? You know, sometimes we have these big dates, you know, in marriage. Like you got to, you know, we're going to have our 10th anniversary. We're going to have our 25th anniversary. And, you know, so you've got this big date. Play, and sometimes you can put so much on that. You ever, have a, ever go to a wedding that goes bad? You know, you can put so much pressure on that one time, that, on that one date, that one little thing goes wrong and the whole thing goes wrong. You can go to a, you can go to a wedding and, and there's so much focus and one thing happens and the bride's crying and the mascara's running and, and all this kind of stuff. We, why, we, we're doing this. We're putting this pressure on ourselves. 
I gotta get through my prayer list today. I gotta, gotta make sure I pray for these 200 names. Will everyone die on your list if you don't pray for them? Well, if I don't pray for everybody, one of them will die. Really? Will no one get saved today if you don't pray for them? No, I think go to pray for people. I think go to pray faithfully for people, but get what I'm saying here, okay? Will you be embarrassed if you can't say that you prayed for them every day this week? Well, what if somebody asks me? Well, then I won't be able to say this. And I, I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to say, I prayed for all these teenagers, so just in case someone asked me, I could say, yeah, I prayed for you today. And what I say now is, I pray for you regularly. I pray for you regularly. And it may be that I prayed for them that day and the day before that and the day before that. But I pray regularly. So, so if we're doing this, what happens to delighting ourselves in the Lord? Would God be more pleased with you robotically running through a list of names? Or would God be more pleased with you pouring out your heart to him and really seeking his face? What, what, would, what would God be, and, and not checking the clock, what would God be more pleased with? So what's my motivation to pray? Talk to the Lord. Pour out my heart. Feel close to God. Bring the needs of people before God. Bring my needs before God. That's the motivation. It should be something inside, not this pressure that we feel from outside things. Is this making sense tonight? So this pressure of Bible reading, prayer, let me give you one more. Witnessing. I'll give you this last one, then I'll let you, then I'll, I'll let you be dismissed. But I want you to really take these and think about it in your, in your spiritual life. Because so many people quit things because they feel so much pressure, so much pressure, that no one else put on them but themselves. And so we can do that with Bible reading, we can do that with prayer, we can do that with witnessing. I, I pray for people to get saved. I pray every day that God would help me to be a better soul winner, to have a passion and a heart for souls, to have boldness, uh, to witness to people. I pray for that. The danger of witnessing and soul winning is thinking that we can become so good at it that it is us that do it. We, we've, we've, we've thought this way in the past, almost having the mentality of a used car salesman, that if I'm good enough, I can convince anybody to get saved. That is wrong. You cannot convince anybody to get saved, no matter how hard you try. If the Word of God's not in it and the Holy Spirit's not in it, they ain't getting it. No matter how good of a salesman you are, no matter how many phrases you have to say, no matter how slick and, and suave you think you are, you cannot approach soul winning that way. And you may get people to pray a prayer and say, and say these words, but did they really get it? I got it, I got them, I got them. Got 12 saved today. Well, that's great, but how did you get that? And we put this pressure as if we're the ones saving people. Now, if you got 12 people saved, I'm going to rejoice with you. That's wonderful. Well, I learned a simple truth a long time ago. God gives the increase. God gives the increase. I just got to faithfully sow. I just got to be faithful to keep going. I got to sow the seed. I also have to be aggressive enough to persuade men, like the Bible says, to reason with them. That doesn't mean make them pray. Persuading means, hey, giving them the reasoning and giving them doctrine, and I am supposed to go out and, and confront people about their soul and salvation. Yes, I should do that. But I should never feel that it's up to me to see people saved. Like if, if, you know, if it weren't for me today, this person would be... Maybe, no, maybe God had a better soul winner behind you. 
You know, so this pressure that we put, I believe in giving my best. Hey, I believe in studying about soul winning. I believe in practicing soul winning. I believe in praying about souls and having the Holy Spirit's power. But even after all of that, it's still God that saves souls. It's still him. What's my motivation for witnessing? To obey God by getting the gospel to as many as I can and trusting that God will bring the fruit. So tonight, I didn't have a bunch of illustrations here, but, but I'm really just hoping that we'll do some thinking. And, and what, my, what my goal really is with a message like this is to just try to help us to take some burdens off of our shoulders that we have put on or that we have let other types of Christianity put upon us and realize that our relationship with God is a relationship. And it's not like if, if you don't read three chapters, God's just writing you off because you didn't get the three in. No, did you get something today from your Bible? Did you get something from your Bible or did you feel like you had to rush through it just to say that you did it? And I think one is better than the other. Did you think about what you read and, and did you really ask God to speak to you as you read it? Did you rejoice in the word today? When you were praying, did you pray today? Did you pray today? And if you did pray today, was it a communion with God? Or was it you got your list out and you're just going through quick, okay, I got everything done. Oh, we can do this when we pray for our families, just real quick praying through, just to get through. No, let's have that relationship with God. Stop putting the pressure on yourself to pray for you know, every single person in Long Beach, every single day by name, and focus on, yes, you ought to pray for people, not saying that, but, but focus on your relationship with God. Focus on that pouring your heart out, feeling close to God, and bringing the needs of the people to God in a sincere way. How about witnessing? Let's witness for God. Let's absolutely give out tracts. Let's absolutely be a witness. Let's absolutely get out there in the, in the foyer in a minute and grab some flyers and give them to people. Let's absolutely do that, but let's remember that God gives the increase. Yes, have the boldness to say, if you die today, would you know for sure you're going to heaven? No? Would you mind if I take five minutes and show you? The greatest news you'll ever hear. Do that, absolutely. But remember, God gives the increase. So all of this just wrapped up. I, I, again, I'm not saying stop praying as much. I'm not saying, I think we ought to pray more. I'm not saying stop reading your Bible so much. I think we ought to read our Bible more. I'm not saying stop witnessing. I, I'm saying we ought to witness more, but I'm saying examine your motives for why you're doing it. Because if you remember, at the judgment seat, you know what it says about the judgment seat? That everything that was hidden will be revealed. What that's talking about is we can see on earth what you're doing a lot of times, but heaven will reveal why you did it, why you did it. There's no fooling God on that. So I want to encourage you tonight. Take some time this week. Take some time and ask yourself, what am I pressuring myself to do spiritually? Or am I doing it out of this external forcing myself, or am I doing it out of a love for Christ and it is really benefiting me because I'm walking with him and it's out of a heart of love for God. Are you, and the difference is really pleasing you or pleasing God. If you're putting the force on yourself and I got to read four chapters a day and you read it, ha, I did it. You're pleasing you. Are you pleasing God? So tonight, just asking ourselves, am I motivated to serve God for the right reasons or am I just pressuring myself? Father, I pray that you'd help tonight this lesson, this message, I, I really hope and pray tonight, Lord, that you have made it a clear thing in our hearts.